Hi, I'm Reverend Carol Saunders, host of The Spiritual Forum. I'm here with a lot of interesting people who are consciously walking the spiritual path, experiencing and expressing the divine in unique ways and through unique lenses. Everyone here has wisdom to share and an interesting story to tell, all to inspire you on your spiritual path. Welcome to the Forum. Welcome to the Spiritual Forum, everyone. I'm so glad you're here. This is the week leading up to Christmas, and I thought this might be a time where we want to look at the Christmas story. I haven't done that since I've started this podcast, and I've just kind of led to do it this time. What I want to do is provide a Christmas message that will ground the season in the meaning beyond the material. And I'd like to bring this Christmas story to life and hopefully plant some seeds that will grow in your consciousness and bring meaning to the season, as they say. So in unity, we look at the Bible metaphysically. We look at it in the historical context, but we also look at what does all of this mean to me in my life? And what do the people, places, and things in these stories that have been told for hundreds and hundreds of years mean for me? And so we're going to delve into this interpretation of the Christmas story to bring alive and recognize that it's the story of the Christ light being born in each of us. So Christmas is a story of God being born in humankind. And when we hear that word God, I know so many people have different interpretations of what it means. Just translate it to whatever it means for you. Some believe God to be a supernatural being, while Others may call the same thing source energy or spirit. For me, the best descriptor of God is in 1 John, and that's where it says, God is love. Love is the energy under all that is. It creates and sustains and inspires us. So at Christmas, we acknowledge and celebrate the birth of a baby named Jesus, and this baby grew up to usher in a new consciousness into the world. And he made that consciousness available to us. We call this Christ consciousness, or God in humankind. It is the truth that is under the layers and layers and layers of ego stuff. It is the truth of our being. Now, the Christ baby grew up and he awakened fully to his potential as divine truth. And he experienced and he taught that God is not only near but within and available to us as the powers of love and faith and strength and wisdom and wholeness. He taught us that we are the light of the world and that we have the power of faith to move mountains and to make ourselves whole. He taught that we were worthy just as we are and that we can live our lives fully, authentically, and abundantly and that we don't need anything or anyone between us and God. He urged humanity to love one another and to forgive ourselves and others. These are the magnificent teachings which he demonstrated for all to see, and by his life he changed the consciousness of our world. Christmas is also a time to celebrate the birth of the Christ consciousness within each of us. For not only is the Christ essence born in the baby Jesus, but within us as well. The presence of God, of love, of spirit is within us, no matter what circumstance we're in, no matter where we are. When we turn our full attention to it and say yes to it, we birth a new way of being. We become more fully human. 
a higher expression of our potential and a clearer expression of our love. In the Christmas story, we find many characters walking to the same place, that sacred place in Bethlehem where the Christ baby is born. This is the home in our hearts. Meister Eckert, a 13th century German theologian, once said, God is at home. It's we who have gone out for a walk. So as we contemplate this Christmas story, let us be like Mary and Joseph, the shepherds and the magi, who all mindfully are walking to the place where the birth of the Christ child takes place. This is our journey home. So what I'm going to do is walk us through the scriptures, the stories, and paraphrase this Christmas story that's written in Matthew's chapter 1 and 2, which tells the story of Joseph and the Magi, and Luke chapters 1 and 2, which tells the story of Mary and the shepherds. A lot of people don't know that this story is the fusion of those two books, chapters 1 and 2, and when you put them all together, you get the Christmas story that we have grown to know. So I'm going to paraphrase the story, and then we're going to follow up with some thoughts about how each person and place in the story lives in our consciousness, lives in our psyche, and how they're aspects of ourselves. So keep in mind that everyone in the story was called to a higher spiritual purpose, but they were ordinary people, ordinary people called to do the extraordinary. And like them, we too are called to a higher spiritual purpose and to be extraordinary. The question is, do you hear the call and are you answering the call? But like Mary in the story, you are highly favored. And like Joseph, you have the qualities of strength and wisdom, which when combined with love will bring forth new possibilities and unlimited potential. And like the manger, you are the cradle of love. All right, so let's get to the story. Here's how it begins. We're going to first start in the book of Luke, chapter 1. And this is when the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a town in Galilee called Nazareth to this maiden who's engaged to a man whose name was Joseph. And her name was Mary. And Gabriel came to her and said, Greetings, favored one. The Lord is with you. And it says that she was perplexed by his words and pondered, what could this be? And she must have been afraid or looked afraid because the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And now you've got a big task, <laughs> a big task. You're going to conceive in your womb and bear a son, and you're going to name him Jesus, and he's going to be great, and he's going to be the son of the Most High. And he's going to reign over the house of Jacob forever. And his kingdom, there will be no end. So that's kind of big news. But Mary says to the angel, like, oh, come on. How's that going to happen? Because she's betrothed to Joseph, but she says she's a virgin. And Gabriel answers her, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Therefore, the child to be born will be holy and he will be called son of God. Okay. That's a lot to take. She's a young girl, probably 12, maybe 13, and this huge thing happens to her. And what does she say in response? Because this could potentially be extremely humiliating 
and not very good news at all for her, but she says, Here I am, the servant of the Lord. Let it be with me according to your word. So let's talk about Mary and who she is in each of us. Mary's the part of you that listens for the divine ideas direct from God. She expresses herself within you as perfect and unconditional love. She's the part of you that's open and she's receptive to nurturing the life opportunities which are planted in you. She says yes. She's the goodness in you that trusts spirit completely, even without knowing what's really going to happen next, how am I going to get there, and how is it all going to end? Your inner Mary is the gentlest aspect of the love in your heart, yet she's strong and she's perfect because all the power of good in the universe is in you. She's the kind and receptive aspect of your nature out of which will be born the understanding of your true self, that you are a child of God. So that's your inner Mary. Now let's return to the story. We're going to be going to the book of Matthew now, chapter 1. And this is where the angel approaches Joseph. So Joseph is engaged to Mary, but before they live together, he finds out that she's with child from the Holy Spirit. Now, I don't know about you, but I'd be scratching my head on that one. What the heck does that mean? Can't be good news for him. He could be the laughing stock of town. It could bring a lot of shame upon the both of them. So he decided, being a righteous man, that he wasn't going to expose her to the public disgrace, but he planned to dismiss her quietly. Good plan, Joseph, but that's not how it's going to work out. Because just as resolved to do that, the angel came to him in a dream and said, Joseph, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. Now, still, I'd be scratching my head about that. But when Joseph awoke from his sleep, he did as the angel commanded him, and he took her as his wife. Bless his heart. (laughs) Joseph, who is the husband of Mary, is the part in you that holds the divine gifts of strength and wisdom. In the story, he commits himself to Mary, who represents love, and in you he protects and guides the love in your soul. In the story, Joseph initially resists what he's asked to do. Wouldn't you? (laughs) But ultimately, he trusts his inner guidance, and he does the right thing in spite of what others may say, and even if he stands apart from the crowd. It's got to be a humiliating situation for him. His fiance's pregnant. <laughs> but he says yes to the call of the angel, and he trusts that everything's going to work out, and he loves his betrothed. Your inner Joseph trusts his guidance and stands firmly as strength and as wisdom. He will never desert the love in your heart. He supports, guides, and protects the new and wonderful good which comes from uniting wisdom, strength, and love. So now we move on to Luke chapter 2. And this is when Mary and Joseph decide to go to Bethlehem because there's a census that went out by the Emperor Augustus that all the world should be registered. Now, I don't think that there is historical proof that this registry happened. 
But remember, we're in a story now. So everyone went to their old towns to be registered. And Joseph was called to Nazareth because that was where he was descended from. And he went to be registered with Mary, to whom he was engaged, and who was expecting a child. So they walked to Bethlehem. This was not an easy journey. It was not a few hours. It was days. And it was a dangerous journey because it could always be robbers and thieves along these paths. But they went anyway. And while they were there, we know how this happens. It came time for her to deliver her baby. And they couldn't find a room in the inn. So she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in bands of cloth and laid him in a manger. So let's talk about what Bethlehem means. And let's talk about the manger. Bethlehem was full of people at the time, obviously, because there was no room in the inn. Everything was full. So there's a whole hustle and bustle going on, everyone coming for the registry. So Bethlehem's ordinary, it's crowded, and it's steeped in worldly concerns, just like our lives. Our lives are mostly ordinary, and we're very concerned about worldly things. Where are we going to go? What are we going to do? How are we going to make money? How are we going to take care of our families? But in the midst of this hustle and bustle of life, even when time and space seems crowded, your inner Bethlehem shows you that there will always be room in your heart for the Christ's love to be born in you. Bethlehem reminds us that the most glorious moments may be those weary days when out of rejection or out of being shoved back, you realize that nothing can keep God's good from manifesting in your life. There's always a way to bring a new life of love, joy, and peace into being. What a powerful message. Now let's talk about the manger. The manger is a feeding trough for animals. There are no animals that are really depicted in the story, but we presume that they're there because there's this feeding trough, the manger. And this would surely not be the first choice to place a newborn. In today's world, we would have a lovely crib or perhaps a bassinet by mom and dad's side. But Joseph and Mary had a manger, and that's where they placed their baby. So some might consider this lowly, unimpressive, but the manger invites us to look beyond appearances and see that it is the container of love that cradles you. It is evidence of the fact that wherever you put forth your best that is in you, you make it a holy place. The manger itself was not holy, but by placing the Christ child in it, it became a holy place. And that's because God is always in the midst. No matter how humble the surroundings or how unimportant an occasion may appear, your awareness of God's presence makes the moments in your life sacred and important. And this is the message of the manger. You need not look for God, for source energy, for the great mystery, for spirit. You need not look in grand and impressive places. Wherever you are, God is. And you are loved, protected, and blessed. So think of your inner manger whenever you're called to do the best in a situation that you feel is not quite worthy of you. All right, let's return to the story. We're going to turn our attention to my favorite part now, and this is the shepherds that are in the field. So in that region, there's shepherds living in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. 
And if you ever watch Charlie Brown Christmas, this is what Linus recites in the Christmas play. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. These guys were truly terrified. But the angel said to them, just like to Mary and just like to Joseph, do not be afraid. For I bring you good news of great joy for all people. To you is born on this day in the city of David a Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign for you. You will find a child wrapped in bands of cloth or swaddling clothes, and he'll be lying in a manger. And this is when suddenly there was an, with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace among those whom he favors. So the angels had left, and the shepherds, they had to be like, what the heck was that? But they said to each other, well, <laughs> we're being called. Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's taken place that's been made known to us. So they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph, and they found the child lying in the manger. So let's break this apart. Let's talk first about the angels, and then let's talk about the shepherds and who the angels and the shepherds are to us in our lives. So the angels are the radiant thoughts that come to you directly from the mind of God. The message they bring to you is there's nothing to fear. There's only love. That angel is the voice in you that tells you to look within to your divine self and celebrate it. It guides you toward your highest good and reminds you that you are one with all beings and that all beings are now and forever one with God. There is nothing to fear. No matter how it looks out there in the world, there is nothing to fear. And there is only love. All right, so let's talk about the shepherds now. Because the shepherds in biblical times did not have a respected position in society. They were kind of considered lowly people. And they were out in the fields with the sheep. I'm sure they smelled like sheep. And they are the earthy, more humble parts of you that are hidden in the dark fields of your mind. So I like to think of the shepherds as being the aspects of yourself that are cast into the shadows of your psyche. These are the parts of you that you don't claim. And we know that we need to claim our shadow in order to be whole beings. So the shepherds in the darkness of night are visited by the angels and they were told to not fear and to come celebrate the Christ child. Of all people within the society, the lowliest were called to celebrate. And at first they're afraid of the light that shines on them in the darkness, just like our shadow is afraid when the light shines on them. But the light reminds them that there's nothing to fear. The light invites your inner shepherd, the parts of you that are hidden in the darkness of your psyche, it reminds them to step into their power and play an important role in the awakening of your true self. These lowly parts of you are necessary for you to experience your wholeness, your holy nature. And they are the ones that will share with the world the discovery of your authentic divine nature and give voice to the love that is being brought into this world as you. I love that. The shepherds are so important for the birth of the Christ consciousness 
in you. They must be invited. Okay, we're going to get back to the story, Matthew chapter 2, and this is when we join the journey of the Magi. Now, the Magi are also considered wise men. They're the three wise men that come from far away, and they bring gifts. They're also known to be astrologers, so they watched the night sky, and they looked for a sign that was coming that showed that there was something miraculous that was going to be happening. And so they followed this star, and they came to the east of Jerusalem, and they visited King Herod, who was a king at the time. And they asked him, I don't know why they asked him, I don't know why they just didn't follow the star, but as the story goes, they asked him, where is this child who's going to be born king of the Jews? For we observed his star at its rising, and we've come to pay him homage. So Herod, like all kings, are always in fear of losing their power. He represents the ultimate of the material in the world that's always concerned about power. We'll talk about our inner Herod in a moment. But he wanted to smite out anything that looked like someone that would be called king of the Jews. So he called together his chief priests and the scribes of the people. He says, okay, where is this Messiah going to be born? And they told him that the prophecy said in Bethlehem of Judea, that's where it's been written. And so Herod sent the Magi to Bethlehem saying, go search for this child. And when you find him, come back and tell me because I too want to pay him homage. Well, that's a bunch of BS because Herod wanted to, <laughs> wanted nothing to do with paying homage. He wanted to eliminate that child, eliminate anything that would threaten his power. So the Magi then set out and they find the star ahead and they keep going until they see the place where the child is and they enter a house and they see the child. So Mary and Joseph are in a house now. So this journey of the Magi supposedly took a couple of years, so they're not still in the cave or, or wherever they were. And on entering the house, they see the child with Mary. They kneel down and they open their treasure chest and they offer him gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. So we've got two things to look at here. First, the star. The star is what guided the Magi on their long and arduous journey to Bethlehem. This had to be a journey fraught with danger. All of these journeys were nothing was safe. But they followed the star, they followed their inner guidance, and they trusted. So the star guided them, and just as it guided them, it guides you. The star is your intuition. And sometimes it may appear like just a flicker in the sky of your mind, but as you recognize it and learn to trust it, your intuition becomes brighter and more familiar. Learn to trust it because God's given you this intuition as a special gift to lead you to your highest good and the fulfillment of your divine purpose. Follow it. Trust it. It won't fail you. It will not lead you astray. It will only bring you to the cradle of love and light and your best and your true nature. So that's the star. Let's talk about these magi. They came from the east. And like the sun, which travels across the sky from east to west, they bring gifts of illumination. They are the part of you which knows at the deepest level that the Christ presence is the true light in you. They are intuitive. They are wise and they are very observant. They're also very brave. I would consider them courageous and quite formidable. 
And in their story, their journey's long and it's risky, but they remain committed to seeking and recognizing and celebrating the divine life and love. They kneel in awe and wonder before the presence of God in you. And the last thing to note about the Magi is just how generous they are. And this generosity is in each one of us. They give generously from the abundance of God's good to others, and their gold reflects the richness of spirit. Their frankincense reflects the beauty of true character, and their myrrh reflects the eternal nature of your life. So before we get to the last thing to talk about, which is the Christ child, I do want to look again at Herod because we each have an inner Herod. There is a part of us that is so concerned, so wrapped up in maintaining anything that looks like worldly power. However little or much we have of it, we are so afraid of losing it. And it is our inner Herod that does not really want to see the Christ that is born in us flourish. So we have to be very aware of that aspect of ourself that wants to annihilate the Christ essence. It is constantly in battle with the truth of our being. All right, so let's turn our attention to the Christ child, which is the centerpiece of this whole story. And the Christ is the real you. Underneath all of the layers of your psyche, underneath all of the layers of your personality, all of your ego, all of your beliefs, all of what you think is right and wrong, underneath all of that is your divine and your whole self. And we're here to realize that. The inner Christ is the perfect love in your heart, the infinite wisdom of your mind, and the deep abiding peace of your soul. Under all you think you are, the Christ is there. It's always been there, and it always will be here in your heart. And when you awaken to this truth, you give birth to a new realization of who you are. You are love. You are the light of the world. So let your light shine before all beings so that they may see God. Let your light shine before all beings so they may experience love. Let your light shine before all beings so they may know what is possible for them, a peace that passes all understanding. This is so important now where we're in this world of war, we're in this world of division, of hate and separation. The one thing we can do is shine our Christ light. The one thing we can do is reach across the aisle and insist on being peace and love and wisdom and light. Finally, let us remember that this is a season of hope and peace and love and joy. And these are the themes of each of the weeks of Advent. Hope, peace, love, and joy can only be expressed as us in the world. Hope exhorts the mind to be courageous. So let us put our hope in a future of love and unity and freedom. Peace is the inner experience of tranquility and harmony. So let us refrain from violence in every way that it shows up, in our thoughts, in our beliefs, in our actions, and let's be peace in the midst of every circumstance. And love is a magnetizing force that sees good in everything. Let us be love and bring love to every encounter. Last is joy. It is timeless. It's born within us and independent of circumstances. 
It's the inner quality that makes us a force of nature. So let us be joy and bring joy to every aspect of our lives. Christmas is a season of loving and giving, and the biggest gift that we can each give is the light that we are to be the amazing people that we were created to be. I hope you found something meaningful in the telling of this Christmas story, and I hope it reminds you to live the meaning of the season and be that light and blessings to you on your spiritual journeys home to your inner Christ light. Namaste. Thanks for listening. If you like this podcast, you can let me know by leaving a positive rating and review on your favorite podcast app or make a tax-deductible donation at thespiritualforum.org. The Spiritual Forum is a podcast, prayer, and retreat ministry affiliated with Unity Worldwide Ministries. Thank you again for being a part of the Spiritual Forum community. And remember, you are an amazing, divine, and powerful being. Thank you.